This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We are now currently on a new series entitled An Autumn Breeze in the Psalms. I'm going to be speaking today on this subject, and if you have your bulletin there, I want you to follow along with me, Becoming Desperate with God. The prophet Isaiah said something like this about the coming of the Messiah. He said that Jesus would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And when I look back over these specific psalms that the Lord has laid upon my heart to bring in and to perspective for this season, I can clearly see that David was likewise a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I pray that some of these psalms that we're going to be talking about and bringing out, you're going to see things in the Scripture that you've never seen before. And I believe that I can already say in Sermons 1 and 2 that I have brought some things to light that perhaps you can go away and you went away saying, I never knew that was in the Bible. I I never saw that. I never caught that. And today it's my goal to allow such a happening in God's Word that you would embrace those same sentiments, that you will leave here today not only being edified, the Lord being glorified, perhaps the sinner being justified, but you can leave here today saying, I never knew that was in the Bible. Or perhaps I heard that a long time ago and totally forgot it. Something I pray that will refresh you in the Scriptures today as we think about this subject, becoming desperate with God. And I'm going to be speaking out of Psalms chapter 54, verses 1 through 7 will be the cornerstone for the text. I'm going to read beginning in Psalms 54, verses 1 through 7. Follow along with me. Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto my enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Let me ask you to think about something today. I wonder... If there's anyone here today that has something in your house or at your house that just utterly terrifies you. Now, one person said, my wife, I'm not going there today. <laughs> don't, don't go there today. That's not the sermon. But, but you... I mean, just utterly terrifies you. Some, some might 
some, some people in here might be utterly terrified of huge spiders. And when you see one come out of the woodwork, you go nuts. And, and you call out for somebody to quickly come to the aid. And you, you declare, and you have declared, you're not touching it. You don't want to touch it. Have you ever seen one of those big, I call them just for your information this morning, just like bumblebees, but they're really called Japanese hornets. They're huge. You know what I'm talking about? I had one one day to park right here. And it, like a hummingbird, would not move. I saw its pupils. And then all of a sudden, it decided, insanely decided, to lunge at me. And he did. I was not very spiritual, I confess. <laughs> but that, it was almost like the fish story. You know, when you tell it, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. But that, that bee was huge. I mean... Maybe there's something in your house or at your house that just totally freaks you out and, and, and you quickly call for somebody else to deal with it. At my house, there's some things that Gail would rather not do, like getting snakes out of the hen house. She, she would rather not do that. And I'll be honest with you, that's not one of my favorite things, but Somebody has to do it, and because she won't, I'll have to. But I, I have had to deal with them and, uh, f for this season, and um, it's just not a pleasant thing for her. In fact, she doesn't even like to go in her to begin with because I think I told you the story about a rooster I had that was a royal descendant of Satan. <laughs> I'm not joking. In fact, Melissa was asking me Wednesday night about this rooster that was a royal descendant of Satan, and she said, whatever happened to it? I said, I, uh, it went to the hot place, <laughs> and I sent him there. That, that, that rooster, it had, it had such a way, I mean, it would not identify itself. It wouldn't crow. It would go under the house. It's, it would hover around the corner. I mean, it would hide until you got to a place of vulnerability. And then out of nowhere, that rooster would come like a streak of lightning. And, and that particular rooster had spurs about an inch or two long and, and just would come out of nowhere. Well, we had a turkey one time. And we raised from a chick. That turkey got so, so vile and wicked that one Sunday after church I'd come home on Sunday evening when we were having Sunday evening service and I got out of the car and again like a like a streak of lightning that, that turkey it said it's bead on me I took off my jacket and literally I'm not exaggerating I had to beat my way <laughs> into the house Gail said, that, that happened to me one time. She said, I'm getting a little tired of it. And so I came home from the office one day, and she said, that turkey, 
did it again. I said, well, here's what you do. You unlock the tool shed. And she's raising cane because she had the grandkids with her out in the yard. And she said, this is not going well. I said, well, if that turkey comes at you again, I said, just go in the tool shed and shut the door. I said, and if he does it one more time, I said, we'll call George. Sure enough, that turkey had no sense whatsoever. Chased her and all my grandkids in the tool shed and would not let them out. Well, I don't have time to go into the rest of that today, but I will tell you this. He's also in the hot place. (laughs) But you think about this. I I think there have been times, maybe you can recall that that there have been things that you have just had to force yourself to do or you didn't like to do or you wouldn't do where you quickly called out for someone else to come and to attend to this thing and to deal with it, to come quick. Now, if you look at this particular psalm, all those things came to my mind because when you look at this particular psalm, you can almost hear David crying out in the same way. And it was not in a comical way, and it was not in an amusing way. He was calling out in a desperate way. He's crying out to God, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, God, I need you to come quickly, and I need you to take the spur out of the enemy. But an interesting observation that I have in this particular study, putting this message together is this, that David, he even gets a little violent with his prayer. I mean, this is really crazy, but this is what he said in Psalms 58. Look at verse number six. Turn over just a little bit. Let them get the scripture on the screen. He gets a little violent with his hysterical prayer, and he says this, God Break their teeth. Now, he's calling for God to take the spur out of the enemy, but he's saying, God, I want you to do it in a violent way. I want you to break their teeth in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. He is saying, God, I want you to come. I want you to come quick, and I want you to deliver me, and I want you to do it in a violent way. We'll talk more about that in sermon number five. But it's like he's praying for vengeance to come on his enemy. So I want us to read Psalms 54 again, having all of that information, and look carefully. The word says this. Save me, O God, Psalms 54, 1 through 7, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers are risen up against me and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. And we taught you what this word selah meant. Stop, pause, meditate. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Now, 
Here we see David praying in desperation, and he is saying this, God, please come quickly and take the spurs out of mine enemies. He is saying this, God, I'm in a place now that I cannot deal with this anymore. He said, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm fragile, I'm too hurt. He said, God, I need you to come right now. I need you to deal with this and do what I cannot do. Now, in this study, I came across something very interesting here. And I say this with with great respects and observation, but I believe this is so interesting to me and intriguing to me that probably there may not be more than three people in this building who knows anything about this. That's why these psalms intrigued me so much. You baptize yourself and study and when you show yourself approved, God will just bring things out, and there, I find myself with the lack of time. And I love preaching and teaching what I call fresh truths, and I believe I have some for you today that perhaps you've never seen or never thought about. So let this bless you. This is written during a period of time when the Ziphites came to Saul. Now, again, you might be hearing the word Ziphites for the very first time. You have no idea what it is, who it is. I'm going to help you with that today because it's significant in the Scriptures. And the Ziphites came to Saul. You know that Saul was jealous of David. David was running from Saul. And the Ziphites said this to Saul. Is not David hiding himself among us? And you're going to miss a huge blessing here today if you don't stay with the story. This group of people called the Ziphites, they go to Saul and they say, listen, we know where he is. In fact, he's, he's hiding among us. Now, from time to time, we talk about the Perizzites, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Amorites, but very seldom do we talk about the Ziphites. So some of you today are hearing a word and a term you're not familiar with, and perhaps you've never read it or discussed it or studied it in the Scriptures at all. But what about the Ziphites? And I, and I want you to think about it today. This is, this is important because they are only mentioned three times in the Scripture, but it's with great significance that they're mentioned. They are mentioned right here in Psalms 54. That's what David's talking about, the Ziphites. But I want you to see two other places. In 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 19, They get the scripture on the screen right here. Look at it. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibbah, saying, Doth not David hide himself among us in strongholds in the wood, in the hill of Hakliah, which is on the south of Jezebel? And then another place in 1 Samuel 26, turn over to the right just a little bit and look at verse number 1. 1 Samuel 26 and verse number 1. And the Ziphites 
came unto Saul and Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Herkela, which is before Jezebel? And so the other thing that we know about these people is that they lived in a little town called Zeph. That's why they were called Zephites. And in both cases, David is writing about the time when the Ziphites sold out his location for their own personal benefit. In other words, the Ziphites betrayed David to Saul. Stay with me. And one of the things we learn about this encounter, this whole episode of the Ziphites going to Saul, who knew, they knew that David was running from Saul. So the Ziphites, they go to Saul and they say, listen, we know where he is. He's hiding among us. And so they betrayed him. They sold him out. Now, since you're in 1 Samuel, I want you to look at this in, verse, in chapter 23, 1 Samuel 23, and let's look at verses 1 through 4. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against us, or fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we're afraid. We be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? So get the story now. This is important. This is a story in the Scripture you're not familiar with, and I realize that. David is a fugitive. He's hiding from Saul. He's running from Saul. The Ziphites say to the Philistines, we know where he is. Now God is saying to David, I want you to go out and do some battle with them. But, the, but you, you have to understand that in this, in this time of perplexity, David's men are saying this, if, if we go out and do battle with these people, there's a good chance we can lose but if we go out and fight these people, there's even a greater chance that they're going to know exactly where we are. And so the men are pressing David. Are you sure this is what God wants you to do? Are you positive God led you to do this? In verse 3 again, And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Okay, then verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord, and, and I want you to underline this in your Bible, yet again. That's powerful. Yet again. He had already talked to God. God had already made it clear. But because the men were afraid and begged him, are you sure? David said, hold on, let me talk to him again. And that's what it is. And the Lord answered him and said, arise. Basically, God is saying, I've already told you what to do. One time should be good enough. But David, arise and go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And so in my Bible, 
I've underlined, I've highlighted those words yet again. I encourage you to do this. The men with David, they were uneasy about this whole operation. They knew they could lose the battle. They knew they could be exposing their location to Saul. So David prays for double assurance that God is leading him to do the right thing. And in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 14, the scripture says this, and David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. In verse 19 and 20, then came up the Ziphites to Saul and to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood in the hill of Hakia, which is on the south of Jezimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all thy desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him in the king's hand. We're going to betray him. We're going to tell you exactly where he is. We're going to hand him over to you. And in just a little while later, we read in 1 Samuel 26, verse 1 and 2, And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hakliah, which is before Jezimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And so the story goes on to say that Saul and his men were camping in the valley, David goes out at night to spy on him. God caused a very deep sleep to come upon Saul and his men. And when that happens, when God puts that deep sleep on Saul and his men, David slips down to the bedside of Saul and he takes two things. He takes his spear and he takes his water jug, his water bottle. So David, in the darkness of night now, he has slipped down to Saul right where he was, took his spear, took his water jug, and he began to back out. He began to get back on his side of the camp. Now, David wanted Saul to know just how close he was to taking his life. Think about that. But he takes his spear and he takes his water jug. This is very important. Then David goes back to a safer place and then he calls out to Saul. He said, hey, Saul, wake up. God caused that deep sleep to be taken from Saul and his men. And David is in the safer place. He's got his Saul's spear and his water jug, and he's saying, hey, Saul, I just want you to know how close, and he's holding up these two things, how close I came to killing you. Keep in mind, David's been running. He's tired. He's weary of all of this stuff. He's saying, Saul, look what I have in my hands. Look how close I came. But David is saying this when he's holding up these things. He said, Saul, I could have killed you if I had wanted to. But David said, I'm not interested in killing you. He said, I have no desire to kill you, Saul. In fact, he said, Saul, I don't even want this stuff. 
Send one of your younger men to over here and get this stuff. I do not want it. I don't want you, and I don't want your spear. I don't want your water jug. I don't want any of this stuff, God. And in 1 Samuel 26, verse 23 and 24, the Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today. But I will not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. While they were in that position, there was a man called Abishai. And he had, took, he had taken a dagger. He could have slit Saul's throat. And David said, do not touch him. He's God's anointed. So David, they go to the safer place. They have this stuff now. In verse 24, in 1 Samuel 26, And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in thy eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Now that story sounds very familiar. We go back to Psalms 54 and look at verse number 7. For he hath, David now is saying this as, as he's writing, For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. Now you have an idea what he's speaking about. And these things are heavy on his heart. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eyes hath seen the desire upon mine enemies. And in this psalm, David is writing about how evil was trying to intrude upon him, how it was trying to do him in, how it was trying to destroy him, and how the Ziphites had betrayed him and his location. And so he prays these words in Psalms 54 in verse number 1 and this is important stay with me here and i would pray that you would use your bible at this place look at this you can read it on the screen but i want you to underline two things in this particular passage as david's praying now come quickly god take the spurs out of my enemies he says this in Psalms 54 verse 1 save me o god now underline this by thy name that's important by thy name and he says, and judge me, underline this, by thy strength. There are two components here. David said, by thy name and by thy strength. This is significant. This is huge. All throughout the Psalms, when we read, David cries out in desperation and he appeals to God's character and his ability to deliver him out of these circumstances. And so David called upon two specific things right here, and this is noteworthy. Again, underline it in your scripture. God, by your name and by your strength. The foundation of David's prayer in this particular psalm is built upon the name of God. And it's also built upon the power of God. Keep this in mind, church the name of God, and the power of God. So David's request is that God would save him because of the glory that is in your name, God. He is saying, I am calling out to you in desperation. And God, I want you to quickly come and take the spurs out of my enemies. And I want you to do it because of your namesake. Without question, the word had got around that God had anointed David to be the new king of Israel, and because of that, Saul had become insanely jealous. Even with the triumph over Goliath, the people were shouting, 
Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul's heart of jealousy just began to snowball out of control. So David is praying for God, you come quickly, take the spurs out of my enemy, break their teeth when you're doing it. And he said, I want you to come and deliver me quickly, and I want you to do it, God, by your name and by your strength. He said, because your name, God, listen, because you have made me king, God, because you have declared it. He was saying, God, I was just a shepherd boy. I was minding my own business. I was tending flocks. I was tending herd. But then you got the idea to anoint me the king. And God, I was minding my own business. Now, because you got me into this mess, God, you get me out of it. By your name. That's what he's saying. And he said, God, you're behind this, and I'm asking you to deliver me. By the way, Moses had a similar problem that David had. If you remember when he was in the wilderness with the people, they were going through such difficult times. The people got fidgety, and they began to murmur. They began to complain. And in the process of God delivering them out of Egyptian captivity for over 450 years, they began to go behind Moses' back, murmur and complain, and, and they began to try to nominate a new leader to take them back to Egypt where they were delivered from. So then Moses begins to pray, and he says this in Numbers 14, 19. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And he goes further to pray, God, if you do not bring these people into the promised land, because you have declared it and you spoke it, your name is at stake, God. If you do not bring these murmuring, complaining people into the promised land, then the Egyptians will begin to think that you're not real and you do not have the power to do what you say you're going to do. So, God, Moses begins to pray the same thing. By your name, God, by the greatness of your name, what you have said, what you have declared, he said, deliver me and intervene. If you stop and think about this pattern of things just for a moment here, even Jesus prayed something like this. It was a prayer that he prayed when he was teaching us how to pray. He said in Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. He said, Hallowed be thy name. So I want you to think about this now. David is saying with great intensity, by your name, try to learn a few things this morning. Because if you're calling out for God to come quickly in your time of desperation and you're asking God to take the spurs out of your trouble, you're asking God to take the spurs out of your problems, if you're asking God to come quickly and take the spurs out of your enemies, whatever they may be, then number one, if you're looking at your bulletin today, remember these four simple things. That God is honored when our prayers are centered around his kingdom rather than ours. Try to remember that this morning because that's a huge difference. Sometimes we confuse the things we want rather than the things he wants. 
Often we think that our plans are His plans. But if we really emerge ourselves in prayer, we can clearly, we're able to distinguish between the things that are our desires and the things that He desires. A lot of times we find ourselves praying for our benefit and not for the benefit of His kingdom. And so maybe you've prayed prayers like that this week. Maybe, maybe you've, for some enticing reason, you have, you have prayed a prayer like this. God, please let me have the winning ticket to the $350 million lottery. Because if you let me win the $350 million lottery, I promise you I will tie. That is a lie. If you can't be faithful in little things, he will not bless you in the greater things. Oh, God, help my team to win today, especially the Cowboys. <laughs> help me, oh, God, to get this promotion. We, we pray some, some of the most lowest kinds of prayers because, listen, if God answered a lot of our prayers because he's omniscient, he knows it would take us out of church and not lead us into church. Can the church say amen? You think about this. Without question, we know that God is, he is wonderfully and he is uniquely involved in our lives. But I wonder if we give him all the respect and honor and the glory that he rightly deserves. We're talking about praying in desperate times. A lot of times we pray something like this. We end our prayers like this. We say something like this at the close of our prayer. And God, we give you all the honor and glory. But do we really do that? There's a story in the Scripture about David and the Ark of the Covenant. David was moving the Ark to a new location. It had been in the home of Abinadab. Now, this is important. Don't miss this stuff. They got to a place called Nation's Threshing Floor. The ark was a sacred vessel. And as they began to move the ark, it started to shift off of the cart. And as it shifted off of the cart, we have to remember that God said, absolutely, let no human hand touch it. Nobody was to touch it. Now, God didn't say, well, now, if you hit a pothole and it begins to shake, rattle, and roll, then, then I have made a few exceptions to this rule. God said, do not touch it. By the way, inside of the ark, there were three things. Aaron's budding rod a bowl of manna, and the Ten Commandments. They were holy and they were consecrated. God said, do not touch the ark. So they're moving it out of this guy's home where it had been stored. And as they're moving it, it begins to shift, it begins to fall. 
God said, if anybody touches it, they're going to immediately die. Numbers 4, verse 15, I must move fast. And when Aaron and his sons had made an end of the covering, the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. So in moving the ark, it began to shift. It began to move off of the cart. And a man named Uzzah had put his hand on it to, just to balance it, just a little, so it would not fall in the mud, wouldn't fall in, in the rocky road. And David, he said, oh, no, this is a terrible thing. God struck him dead. And here's the thing. David did not continue to move the ark. You know what he did? He put it in some other guy's house. Obed-Edom. What a lucky fellow he was. And the scripture says that he kept it in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And when it was time, when David said, okay, now it's time, we, it's, we need to try to do this thing again. Don't anybody touch it. Look what happened in 2 Samuel 6, 13. This is, this is what I want you to see today. And it was so that when they had bare the ark of the Lord, and look, I want you to, I've asked you to underline a couple of things today. By thy name, by thy strength, in six paces, Underline this. It's significant. And so it was, and it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord, look at this, had gone six paces. David, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Now look, here's what happened. They're doing this thing on a rerun, second take. Obed Edom, he's about ready to have a nurse break. Now get this thing out of here. I don't want it in my yard. I don't want it in my house. Move it. So they're doing, David says, okay, it's time. So get everything straight. And David does this. In the fear of God, because he had just seen what happened to Uzzah. In the fear of God, David said, everybody ready? You ready? Are you ready? David does this. One, two, three, four, five, six. The Bible says he took six steps. And when he had taken his sixth step, he said, Stop. Everybody stop because it's time to give God the glory. It's time to give him praise. They were six small, successful steps, and David was making sure that all was well, but he was quick to do it. He got to that sixth step. He said, stop, everybody stop. It looks like God's favor is among us. We're not going to take another step until we give God some glory, until we praise his name. 
And sometimes it may seem that when it comes to give God glory and praise, we miss a few steps. We, we're so, look, sometimes when God does things in our life, we're just so busy trucking down the road and we're, we're too consumed with life that we're not walking in his presence and holiness long enough to stop and say, hey, God's with me. God has delivered me. God has brought me through. Sometimes we're so quick to move ahead with one request after another. And if we're not careful, we can be too filled with request without giving God the praise while running on empty with this praise. Number two, quickly. When we're calling out to God in a quick and desperate way, remember this, God is honored when we allow his power to be shown in our weakness. In Psalms 54, 2, David said this, Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to my words, to the words of my mouth. And here David appeals to the empathy of God. I'm so thankful, listen, that God not only hears our prayers, but he intervenes with them as well. David is saying, God, please listen to these heavy concerns on my heart. And perhaps the trust thing that we believe about God is revealed in the way that we pray to him that we call out to him. David is saying, God, come quickly. God, please listen to me. And let me ask you this. What about the place that you may be in with your life today? And the struggles and the hardships. Maybe you've had some intruders. Maybe you've had some roosters to creep up on you. Maybe you've had a wild turkey show up out of nowhere. Maybe you've had some type of intrusion in your life that has just so overwhelmed you and you're crying out to God in desperation. Let me encourage you not to let your guard down because we are all dealing with the same enemy. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Maybe you've been praying a prayer like this. God, I need you to come and interrupt this situation. I need you to come and intervene. I need you to deliver me, God. You're praying for God to deliver you from a great enemy and break the teeth of the enemy in the process. David said in Psalms 54, 3, For strangers are risen up against me, and the oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. And so David is describing a violent person here. One who has not set God before them. And this is an interesting place, by the way, that he inserts the word Selah. Stop, pause, meditate on this thought, David says. And I'm going to ask you to really give some careful thought to this because when we refuse to set God before us, listen, this is so true and it's so heartbreakingly true, but when we refuse to set God before us, even as believers, we are capable of doing just about anything. just about anything. Number three, when we're calling out to God, 
to come quickly. God is praised when we acknowledge that he and he alone is the source of our help. Psalm 60, 11, give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man. Psalms 27, 9, Nine, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Psalms 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song, I will praise him. And so David has come to the place where he's totally depending on God's help. He knows that he is defenseless without him. And I ask our musicians to come forward, and I share this last point with you. Look at number four on your outline today. When you're calling for God to come quickly, God is honored when we're willing to wait on his faithfulness. Hosea, I don't expect anybody to be able to find this quickly, so get it on the screen. Hosea 12.6, Therefore turn thou to thy God. Keep mercy and judgment. Look at this. Wait, how long? How long? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and wait on thy God continue. Don't ever get tired of waiting on God. Just wait. If we're not careful, when the intrusions come into our life, there are going to be a couple of things, three things that will happen. When the enemy, when the roosters, when the wild turkeys come at you with no warning and their spurs have only one thing on their mind, listen, one of three things will happen. One is we'll totally lose sight of what God has called us to do. Totally. Number two, and, and by the way, you can never forget who the enemy is because the enemy is always looking for ways to distract us. But number two, the second option is this. We can retreat in fear and in intimidation. Or number three, and it's our third option, we can simply stand in his will and trust in his faithfulness. Psalms 54, 6 and 7, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good, for he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. I want to leave you with a thought today. And you can close your Bibles and you can pay attention here. Listen, I want to leave you with a thought and I want you to meditate on this. Because sometimes we think of enemies as rivals. Someone we just want to beat. We want to beat them today and we want to beat them tomorrow. This is important. Don't lose this truth. In fact, we're constantly thinking about beating them every single time that we are engaged with them over and over. But let this truth sink in today. Don't, don't shut this out. Our enemy, listen now, is not a rival. An enemy is someone who wants to destroy you. Your enemy does not want to have to play you tomorrow. Get this. Your enemy doesn't want to play you tomorrow because they want you to be so defeated today that you don't have the ability to play tomorrow. 
they want to take you completely out. And that's the kind of spiritual enemy we have. You think about this. This was the kind of enemy that David was up against. Saul did not want to have to keep playing David. He wanted to kill David. He wanted David out of the way. He wanted to eliminate him. And the goal of the devil, listen now, is not to have to play you today and tomorrow and the next day. That's not his objective. That's not his goal. The devil wants to hunt you down and eliminate you. Maybe you feel like you don't have any Saul's in your life or Ziphites, but we all have a devil. I think it'd be an amazing prayer if we would ask God to turn all of the devil's schemes that he has for us on him and break his teeth, oh God, in his mouth. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.